we showed up every day willing to take a bullet for your kid. When COVID happened, I think there was a an attitude that we should be doing superhuman things for kids because this was the, the career that we chose. And I think for me, I got, I finally got to the point where last year I heard myself say like out loud to myself, the kids aren't enough anymore. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, we find out why so many educators have been so successful making the pivot into Salesforce careers. All the things you're doing right now are far more difficult and take far more love and skill and appreciation and passion than a Salesforce career. Also, while there are some serious perks for Salesforce professionals like unlimited personal time off, let's face it, few things can beat a big paycheck. Oh, I want to talk about money. I know like the other stuff are like really good reasons to switch to Salesforce, but money is also a good reason too. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. And this week's episode, I think you're going to enjoy it because we are bringing on another panel. This time, we are going to be speaking to quite a few people. So get ready for introductions. And we are going to be talking to individuals coming from an education background, transitioning into careers as Salesforce professionals. So if you can imagine, a lot of times I hear people who say, you know, some of these careers where it just doesn't seem like you could go from that, or at least you can't picture it going from that to being a tech professional. So I'm really excited to break this down today. And with me, as always, I have Anita Smith to break this down. So how's it going, Anita? Uh, It's good. I don't know. I'm kind of like wishing I was still in Costa Rica. I just got back from vacation and it was an epic trip. So many wild animals. My boyfriend even saw a puma. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Definitely considering maybe moving to Costa Rica in the future for a little bit, at least. Yeah. Recording the Salesforce for Everyone podcast compared to that does sound like you (laughs) may not be happy to be home. But we're glad you're back. Yeah. So how's everything with you? (laughs) Yeah, everything's good. My daughter started school, so that's been pretty crazy. Um, That's new to us. That's the first time ever. So I think that's pretty fitting for this episode, the timing aligned well. So yeah, she's in school for the first time ever. She's never been in daycare, anything in between. So big transition for our family and we are still, we're still getting used to this. So yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and introduce our guests. First up, Lindsay Giles. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I am a former kindergarten teacher living in Boise, Idaho, and now a Salesforce administrator for a company called NetHealth. Awesome. Jesse, would you like to go next? Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. My name is Jesse. Uh, I live in Chicago. I used to be an English as a second language teacher in Asia. So a couple of years in China, a couple of years in Vietnam. And now I am a Salesforce consultant for Kicksaw. That's awesome. Kim Kennedy, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I used to be an elementary art teacher. I taught kindergarten through fourth grade before becoming a Salesforce consultant. And I work for a company called Provisio Partners. Amazing. Jamie Jarose, welcome. Thank you. So yeah, my name is Jamie. I live in Eastern Pennsylvania, and that's where my entire education career has been. I was a math teacher for secondary schools and spent some of that time also as an assistant principal. And now I am a RevOps associate for Aptitude 8. Wow. And last but not least, Brandon Van Gelder, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I taught PE 
from elementary all the way through high school for over 12 years. And now I'm a Salesforce admin at Scale Computing. Wow. All right. So thanks, everybody, for those intros. And now we can actually dive in. So I think the first thing that I would want to know, if I'm transitioning into a Salesforce career from an education background, is how did you land on Salesforce? Out of all the things in the world you could have landed on, how did you decide on Salesforce? So whoever wants to dive in, feel free. I'll jump in here. So I found myself coming home each night completely exhausted and stressed from teaching with no energy for my own kids. And I would scroll through LinkedIn just to be like, okay, what else is out there that I could use with an elementary education degree? And I kept noticing in all these job descriptions, Salesforce, 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 Salesforce. So then I just looked up online to see, okay, what is Salesforce? And got a better idea of it through doing the five-day talent stacker challenge and realized that a lot of Salesforce is learning, which as a teacher, I like. Like It's continuous learning. You're always learning new things. So that was appealing to me. And then also, it's a lot of still being able to teach. Like You're teaching end users how to use the platform to their advantage. So I like that I'd still be able to teach, I'd still be able to learn, and also be able to work from home. So that's kind of how I got started with Salesforce. Yeah, I had been thinking about transitioning to a different career. Very much what Lindsay said. I love teaching, but it is exhausting. And I would come home with no energy left for my family. And I had been thinking long-term, like, what would I transition into? I really wasn't sure. I knew that I did not want to go back to college and get another degree, especially when I have a daughter that is approaching the age of college. Two college bills is really not what I want <laughs> to take on right now. So I had been hearing about different tech certifications, and I was interested in that. I was already trying to incorporate some tech into the classroom, learning different tech ways of teaching. and so. I heard about Salesforce just through a podcast and I was like, all right, well, that's, you know, one stream I can go. And I, I looked into it and what really drew me to Salesforce was their one-to-one-to-one -one -one giving back model and that they work so closely with the nonprofits. And for me, that was the connection I needed. I wanted to do work that I felt was still very meaningful, you know, to leave a career where you feel like you are making a difference and giving back. I wanted to transition to something where I could still do that. And again, like Lindsay said, there's a lot of the skills I already have as a teacher that I can bring to, especially with consulting. I like facing the clients and talking with them and helping them and teaching them. I'm also a lifelong learner. So I really do love that I get to constantly be learning new skills. Yeah, I agree with Kim and Lindsay. I learn something new every day in Salesforce and I do get to teach still, which was a big part of it. And I originally found out about Salesforce from episode 117 of the Choose the Five podcast that had this crazy guy on there named Bradley Rice. And he talked about making a lot of money part-time and that intrigued me, but I had no idea what Salesforce was. Um, and then I kind of fell in love through Trailhead and you know, I haven't looked back over the past three years. I will say another thing that intrigued me about Salesforce was I could go in entry level and make, I think I'm making 34% more than I was making having taught. So that was definitely appeal to and way 
more room to advance and to increase your salary than there is in teaching. So my situation is a little bit different from what I'm hearing. Some things are the same. For me, it was the pandemic was huge. When we got sent home in 2020, outside of the extreme fear of dying, I thrived during that pandemic. I loved working from home. I was able to get creative. I had some flexibility and some time to do some things with my family that I didn't normally have time to do. And I think after that, that was when I really understood that I wanted to be working remotely. And I hoped for that for 2020 into 2021, because there were some exceptions being made for some health issues and that sort of thing. And they were not able to accommodate me. So that was when I really started getting interested in trying to find my way out. And also, it's not like I didn't look for another career in the past either. I did. And when I hear you say, Bradley, you know, like of all the things that you could have done, like, why did you land on Salesforce? I don't know if I'm unique in this experience, but I didn't feel like there were a lot of other things to land on. There's someone on Instagram that I follow who just literally helps teachers find another career. I think a lot of us feel like our certificate, our degree is so specific that it doesn't lend us a lot of flexibility to get out into a different industry. And I was hearing about Salesforce through the Choose FI podcast and I listened to Anita's story and I thought, well, maybe this is it. Like maybe this is the open door. And so I started studying and playing around a little bit. But then in January of this year, I, I knew I had to get out. I just knew I had to do something different and I wanted to start having some fun. And I was having a lot of fun with Salesforce. I mean, I totally geek out when I talk like this, but data is fun for me, you know, and to me, Salesforce is like a very boring way of looking at a video game. Sometimes you crack something and you're like, I just beat a level, you know, because I got a, because I got a flow to work, you know, and you want to celebrate that. So that's how I got here. I got here through Choose FI and taking a chance, but finding something that it ended up fitting me on so many different levels. And I had never heard of Salesforce before hearing it on the Choose FI podcast. Yeah. Similarly to a lot of people here, I had never heard of Salesforce before. So I loved teaching. Back when I was a teacher, I really, really liked it. But during the pandemic, I felt like I really needed to look at my life and really think about what I was doing. I found Salesforce through Choose FI. So I'd been listening to Choose FI for years. And I've always dreamed about, you know, reaching financial independence. And I knew from a teacher's salary that it just wasn't, I mean, it's possible, but it wouldn't have been as easy. So when I heard about the salaries that Salesforce professionals were making, I had to give it a shot. So, I mean, fast forward two years later, I don't regret this choice. I think that I'm a lot closer to getting to, it's going to be a lot smoother of a journey to FI than had I had stayed a teacher. Yeah, if I can pop in on that too, I took a pay cut. I took probably a $20,000 pay cut to leave teaching and to go into this career. But the potential for what's going to happen in the future is so much more than what I had available to me. And the less stress and the happiness and the like holistic approach to my life and the company that I landed with is so progressive. And that was part of my problem too, is I, I don't know why, but I expected after the pandemic that we were going to change as an industry. And we didn't, we did not. It was over and over again. We need to get back to normal. We need to get back to normal. And like our normal has been normal since like the what 40s, 50s. Like it has not changed. And I called the, the whole pandemic like a failure of creativity. And I saw that in my industry as well. And so I shifted to an industry that is all about adapting and changing. Yeah, it's really exciting to be a part of an industry that is growing and there's so much room for growth. That really excites me. Um, as an art teacher at the elementary school, there was no upward growth. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. I mean, we we covered a lot of information right there. Like there there's so many different directions we could go. Like I heard about 
burnout and trying to transition into something where you can still feel like you're having an impact on someone or something or you know, transitional skills that you feel like were valuable or your pay or working from home or anything in between. And I love the last point that came up about just being able to be innovative, like to think and solution and create something. And when it's not working right, we can actually do something about it. And I think when you come from, especially, I imagine, you know, public school systems and private school systems too, but, you know, you get into these areas where nothing changes or it changes so slowly. It's just so frustrating. And in the Salesforce world, you can see a problem today and fix it by lunchtime and actually do something about an inefficiency or something that's not productive that's happening in the world. And you can fix it on the spot. So I really love that. So we have so many different directions we could go. So I'm going to lean on you, Anita. Like, where do we want to go next with this conversation? Oh, I want to talk about money. I want to go back to what Lindsay brought up. I I know like the other stuff were like really good reasons to switch to Salesforce, but Money is also a good reason too. Lindsay, you had mentioned you got about a 34% increase in your salary for your first Salesforce role. How many years did you work in education? Well, I kind of had a convoluted way of getting there. I worked part-time as a substitute teacher while my kids were in school. And then I worked online as an ESL teacher for a few years. So I had my own classroom for just a year and a half. So I was kind of just starting out in teaching. So it was comparable, though, like just starting out in teaching, making about $55,000 a year, and then just starting out in Salesforce and making about $72,000 a year. One with a four-year degree that cost me quite a bit, and one a certification that took me three months to get and a couple hundred dollars to take the test. Wow. Did anyone else see a jump in pay or was it very similar to what you were making before? I had um, a bit of a jump from my first position, but I think it's not really notable given that like a year after starting that, I almost doubled what I was making in my entry-level position. So where I'm at now is probably beyond, I think, where I would have been at the end of my career as a teacher, or at least like you know 20 years into teaching or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that. I think maybe people don't know. I don't think many people know this because I don't share it too often, but I got a bachelor's of education because I wanted to be a high school economics teacher. And I got certified to teach math from fifth grade all the way to 12th grade because I just, I knew that that would be my foot in. And then hopefully I could like weasel my way into being the economics teacher if I just got my foot in the door. Because I, I know they don't hire nearly as many econ teachers as they do math teachers. And I remember my goal financially was I thought I was going to start in like the thirty to forty thousand dollar range, and then hopefully one day, by the time my career was over, I would be tenured and maybe you know head of a department or something like that, and maybe make seventy or eighty thousand dollars. And that was I was okay with that goal because I was aligned with the the values of teaching. But yeah, this is a it's a very different world when you move into I guess the tech space, specifically the Salesforce ecosystem. So that's that's really interesting. Did anyone, um, I mean, I think the actual salary number is one thing. And like Jesse said, it just skyrockets. Once you get that first year under your belt, you just go up, up, up. And then I'm sure it, it puts any reasonable teaching pay sort of but below that. But, you know, we talked some about remote work also. Are there other fringe benefits or some of those benefits that maybe aren't strictly a pay increase? I got some. So a big incentive for me was my company does unlimited 
personal time off, unlimited sick time. And we're hired. Uh, this was said to me in my first interview. We hire competent adults. We expect you to get the job done. And it's not micromanaging. And you know they hold us to a high standard and I'm happy to meet it. But I have some chronic health issues. And I literally was coming to the end of six time. I have 24 years in, in education. And I was having to budget time with doctor's appointments and trying not to take entire days off, even though I might have gotten, you know, a, I have infusions that I have to get that make me tired. And I had to show up on a half day. Now I can work my schedule around that and they're happy to accommodate me. That was a huge benefit for me that there's no price tag I think you can put on that. I agree with that completely. I can start my day early and end early if I want. I can start it later if I have something in the morning to do. It's way more flexible than being a teacher where I had to be there at 7.30 to do bus duty. I had to stay till 4.30 to do end of the school bus duty and then have our meetings after school. And having the people in your company just trust you to get the work done. You aren't being micromanaged like you are sometimes in teaching. So my company also does unlimited PTO and then they also encourage volunteering. So you they want you to do so many hours of volunteering. So they're like, if you want to volunteer in your kid's school, you know, we want you to do that. So they give you volunteering time off as well, which I really enjoy. I feel like when my first week of my job, they flew me out to Pennsylvania where the company is based. And like one of the first nights we were out there, they took us out to dinner rented the whole top of this restaurant. It was like a rooftop restaurant. We're buying all the appetizers, like $100 bottles of wine. And I was just like, this is not teaching anymore. We're like, we're lucky to get like a box of donuts in the teacher's lounge. (laughs) So there's perks like that too. (laughs) All right. So we all know the reasons why you guys pivot into Salesforce career. And I want to go over what transferable skills you had. I know the obvious one is teaching and being able to train and users and the client, but what other transferable skills were you able to leverage to get your first role and be successful? I think a big one, especially for teachers probably is empathy. We can easily empathize with our clients and understand where they're coming from. I think another transferable skill is being able to pivot to kind of having to stop one thing, shift into another. I would do that all day long as teaching, you know, having to shift from teaching kindergarten and teaching fourth grade. And it's not just the content changes, it's how you deliver the content that also has to change. Yeah, I agree with Kim with changing how you teach the different grade levels because I had to do that too, teaching PE. So I got all the grade levels. But just being able to prioritize a lot of different things going on when you're teaching, writing lesson plans, um, what you're actually teaching that day, any big events that are coming up at school, talking to the principal, talking to the regular classroom teachers, talking to other specialist teachers and trying to balance all that on the daily and being able to take that. And I mean, in Salesforce, you're talking to different departments, different users, all sorts of people every day. And it's a highly transferable skill that you might not think of that right away. Oh, I'm a teacher. It doesn't really relate, but it does. And it's something I use every day. Going along with project management, you know, when you're teaching, especially if you teach a diverse group of students, you have IEPs that you have to adapt to. Um, You're dealing with conflicts with students, with adults. You are chunking things into 
different time frames that people need to complete tasks in and you're doing this for, you know, one student and you're doing something else for another student and all of that. An IEP is an individualized education plan. And so when students have some challenges and some barriers in their learning, a lot of times teachers have to find ways to accommodate that. So if you have some anxiety issues that cause you to not be able to handle like deadlines that are too rigid or something, or a lot of times like ADHD, lots of things like that, then I might need to adapt your assignment so that you have some more flexibility. But for someone else, I might have to change the readability of something that they're working with. And for someone else, I might have to provide more visual cues. You know, So we have a, a lot of different ways that we know how to present to people. And I know in my position, a lot of it is client-facing presentations. All right. Yeah. So those are, I think, incredible examples. I think that even undersold almost to an extent, like I know how amazing that sounded maybe to the listeners. They're thinking like, wow, those are a lot of skills that I have. But I think even from my perspective, like with my daughter starting school, I imagine, especially at the beginning of the school year, there's a lot more parent interaction going on and maybe just balancing small things like getting parents to act right in the car line or understanding that the kids are coming in late on buses because the bus driver is still getting comfortable with the routes or just getting comfortable with getting you know, kids to classrooms and figuring out the personalities and all these different things. And I know, you know, my daughter's kindergarten teacher, <laughs> it's sort of selfish because I should go tell her about Salesforce and be like, all the things you're doing right now are far more difficult and take far more love and skill and appreciation and passion than a Salesforce career. And you would be incredible the way, you know, I, my daughter had an issue at school on like day two and I messaged the teacher and she responds same day at like 6 p.m. after she's off work. I never got that type of communication in a Salesforce career. So that level of communication and actual concern for a situation for someone who I'm one of what, 15, 20 parents that she might have to report to. And that's a, that's a small load. Some teachers are doing, you know, 100 kids a day if you have shifting classrooms. It's unbelievable to me that teachers can even halfway do what they do. And I would say 90% of the time when I see a teacher, they have a smile on their face and they seem like they care about what they're doing. And I think if educators just mass transition into Salesforce careers, that they would wipe the slate clean because Salesforce professionals historically, like it, to me, Salesforce for everyone and Talent Stacker, this represents the next generation of Salesforce talent. This is the next generation of the Ohana. It's a different energy. It's a different passion for the career because we've heard about it not coming from tech backgrounds and not being basically just guided into this. Oh, I used to work in some other tech space and now I work in Salesforce. And yeah, I worked remote for the last 20 years. That's not a reality. So we care so much more about it. So if you can't tell, I'm a huge fan of teachers. I wanted to be a teacher. And it's no surprise to me. I heard burnout mentioned a couple of times. That's no surprise, right? Like that's obvious based on the number of things you just rattled off that you're doing on a daily basis. That's obvious. So if you don't mind, could we talk a little bit about burnout? And for those of you who were working as educators prior to the pandemic, was that already happening? I mean, I'm sure it was the same thing that was happening, but did it become more evident to you because you got to work from home for maybe a year or two or whatever the case may be? So I would love to understand this relationship between burnout and whether or not that was the pandemic was a catalyst for seeing that burnout happening. So yeah, I, I see you're ready to answer, Brandon. Yeah, 
Burnout was definitely part of it. I'd say about seven years into teaching, I was kind of feeling it. I was looking at other possibilities. And it was little things like, okay, the custodian's out. Guess who has to clean up the cafeteria? Because you're one of the it's your room, first of all, and you're one of the only males there who's like strong enough to like push the tables around. So ended up having to move a bunch of tables every day at lunch whenever the custodian was out, little things like that. And just, it was, it was a grind. It was becoming a grind daily at a point there. And I had to stick around a few more years actually for student loan forgiveness. And to say I could have been happier doing something else those last few years is definitely true. And then the pandemic came the last two years I was teaching. And that was almost a relief at that point because we did get to work from home a little bit, get to do the tech, but it, it was more work in other ways. Having to create different lessons in a new way for all the different age groups was was a struggle. But yeah, burnout is definitely there in the education realm. And I feel sorry for some of those teachers who stick around and have to stick around that long. So I actually started with my own classroom during the pandemic but all the teachers, all of my colleagues, what they said is that behaviors had just been getting worse and worse every single year. And I definitely think the pandemic made it worse. Yeah, I was um, uh, six years into my teaching career and definitely starting to feel the burnout. And we, when we first got told we were going to be going home, I was kind of like, Oof, I can breathe a little bit. It was not my favorite way to teach. But it definitely shifted my perspective. It gave me that time that I didn't never have before. And I knew I'd never have again to really take the time to learn a new skill. And so I took advantage of that. It definitely made me rethink staying in education. I, I knew this was a big change. It was a big change in the world. And I knew things were never going back to what they were going to be. And being an art teacher, my exposure rate was huge. I come in contact with every student in the building <laughs> every week. And knowing that we could be back in a cycle of we're in person, we're not in person. You're going to have to push into classrooms now or teach from your classroom, but the kids can't come. And that was not appealing to me at all. So I kind of knew that the career was going to change. Didn't exactly know how, but it was just definitely provided a, a good time to make that transition. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this in burnout. I did 24 years in teaching and education, and the kid's behavior was never the thing that was going to have me leave. I hope people understand that like, even us, even those of us who are here who have pivoted away from teaching, we showed up every day willing to take a bullet for your kid. That's, that's part of what our job became. There are so many societal things that are not changing in a positive way for teachers, and that was a big one. And when COVID happened, a lot of our kids, like the hybrid year, I call it the hybrid year, like right the 2020, 2021 year, we had students there every other day. A lot of kids had to take on a lot of responsibility at home. Things were really rough for them. Things were really rough for parents. Like it was just hard all around. But I think there was a, an attitude that I was feeling from, it's hard to pinpoint which populations were doing it, but it was just kind of like this expectation that we should be doing superhuman things for kids because this was the, the career that we chose. And, you know, I think that's part of the burnout. Like you do that for as long as you can do that. And then you get to a point where it's like, I, can't, I just can't anymore. And I think for me, I, got, I finally got to the point where last year I heard myself say like out loud to myself, the kids aren't enough anymore. And that's a reality I had to face because if I can say that, that means I shouldn't be in the classroom anymore. 
you know, I'm not not doing them as much of a service as someone else might be able to do. So the burnout comes from, I think, a lot of different angles. I appreciate that statement because I know it it doesn't, it's not a lack of your care. It's just simply, it's a threshold. It's just a, and I'm sure you never wanted to get to that point. And obviously you never wanted that to be a reality and then it happens. So yeah, I think for the listeners too, that that's also a reality. And if they're being real with themselves, they've probably had those thoughts too at times of, is this too much? Like, how long do I stay in because I do care about what I'm doing and I care about the impact I'm having, but when do I have to do something that's right for me and my physical and mental health and everything in between? So that's huge. So thank you. Yeah, that sounds extremely draining. And I mean, you can't like help others when you're just not in it anymore. You, you can't pour an empty cup, you know, but Moving on to your now new career, how do you guys feel at the end of the day, at the end of the week versus how you felt before? So good. I love it so much. Like I work from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. because my company's on East Coast and I'm on Mountain Time. And so I'm done by the time my kids are home from school. I don't have any kind of commute. I have energy at the end of the day to go for a bike ride and, you know, to just do hobbies and see friends, do things with my kids. So it's such a huge difference how I feel at the end of the day working from home as a Salesforce professional versus how I felt coming home from teaching. So I'm super, super happy. I mean, same thing as Lindsay. I absolutely love it. Actually, it's kind of funny because the first couple of months I started my first job, I was fully remote and it was an actually like 40 hours of work. But yeah, I kind of had like too much free time. After work, I would end, I'd already be at home and I kind of wouldn't even know what to do with my day because I had so much free time. So I loved it. But like the new problem was like, what do I do with all this free time now? Which is a great problem to have. But yeah, it definitely had more free time. And one thing now is leave work at work, even though I'm working from home. So like home is my place of work. But before when you're teaching, you're just constantly on like, I would dream about situations at work and how to fix them and just constantly be thinking of it, always doing lesson plans, planning activities. And so way more than 40 hours when you're a teacher. And whereas with Salesforce, in my situation, it's like I work my hours and then turn my computer off and focus on my other parts of life. All right. So we've covered a lot of information in the show right now. I mean, we've talked about pay, we've talked about benefits, transferable skills, burnout, and everything in between. Is there anything, you know, speaking to the educators in the audience, I mean, we're talking thousands of people. Is there anything we're not mentioning that that anyone would like to to bring up that you just feel like we we have not talked about this and it's worth sharing? I think there was a lot of wariness around that transition from being face-to-face to 100% remote. And for me, I, I've been blown away by the organization that has to happen in order for the remote company to work. And I think I have more quality face-to-face human time, particularly with adults, but in general, through the remote setting than I did in a building. Yeah, that I, I think that's interesting that you can have that transition. Does anybody else have you know anything around that pandemic-related transition, how that shifted things for your work? Or you know, did you think that things were going to be able to maintain and we move into this new era of education? Like, Did you have hopes and dreams of this whole new shift 
that the pandemic was a catalyst for, and then maybe it did happen or didn't happen. I mean, I guess I'm asking, like, how did the pandemic shift the way we know education or did it at all? Or are we just back to normal now? Radio silence. In my experience, it didn't change. And some of the things that I saw that could have changed was school's great for some people needed to be in the building and some kids did not. And they did better when they were not in the building all the time. I also, for my school, when we went back for the hybrid schedule, we had students Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Wednesday, Fridays. And Mondays, we were all at home. And that was a fantastic day. And not just because we were at home, but because that was our day to meet with parents. That was our day to meet as a team. That was our day to tackle like actual problems. We had study groups with kids who needed extra help. We had so many things going on. And I think we were hoping that when we went back, we could keep something like that. We didn't change anything. You know, we didn't change anything to take advantage of anything that we learned during the pandemic. It all just was as quickly as possible. Let's go back to air quotes, normal and normal wasn't working. So I've, I've kind of got to, unless anybody else wants to chime in, um, feel free to, but I've got to me what I sort of consider maybe a selfish bonus question, if you will. And so I think that question is, I'm going to try to frame this um, <laughs> in, the, in the correct way, but in your opinions, what does the future of education look like? Because we talked about innovation has been slow in the school systems, and it will likely continue to innovate very slowly. And then we have these shifts where we have an entire panel of people here, which represents truly a small subset of educators who are transitioning into Salesforce. And really, I imagine educators are transitioning into a variety of different professions. And so in your opinions, do we have just as many educators coming out of you know, colleges with bachelors of education filling these roles? So is that there's plenty of talent to fill in and they're, they're happy to take those jobs? Or are we seeing a shift in the quality of schools because people like you, the ones that are, you're serious and you feel burnout and you're going to do something about it. You're actionable, you're intentional, you're going to make a change if possible. Those are the ones who are, I don't know, I, I may be wrong, but I imagine those are probably the teachers who are the most active and actionable and intentional in their teaching as well. So they probably represented some of the best teachers. So are we going to see a you know, and my thought is I have a, a daughter in kindergarten. Should I expect over the next 10 years to see a quality of education shift because of this shift out of education post-pandemic? I kind of have the worry that because I have school-age children as well, that a lot of the teachers and quality teachers are leaving. And I have two different trains of thought. One, I'm scared because I worry like what's going to happen to my kids. I want them to have really good teachers who love their jobs. And at the same time, I'm just like, no, this is what needs to happen. Like we need to see this mass exodus so that some change can happen, some real change. There's just so many expectations that just keep being piled onto teachers. Like when is enough going to be enough that they say, no, this needs to stop. You know, we need things like smaller class sizes. We need additional resources, more counselors in the school, whatever it may be. I just feel like something has to happen, something big so that things can change. I just have such mixed feelings about it. I want all good teachers to stay in the schools for our kids. But at the same time, I feel like what we need is enough to leave so that we can have change. 100%. 
Yeah, I agree completely. So to help that mass exodus, if you could speak to any of the educators that are listening to this episode right now, what would you say to them? Starting to learn Salesforce, like beginning learning Salesforce is free. You can learn the entirety of the admin certification for free and then get a coupon voucher and then take the exam for cheap. Like the only thing you have to risk is your time. Anyone can start and then see if it's for you. If you're listening to this thinking like, I don't know, you know, I'd miss the kids and I'd miss this and I'd miss that. And like, maybe you are still passionate and love what, you, what you're doing. Stay in the classroom. You know, you could still learn and still choose to stay in the classroom. You can give yourself options. But if you're like me and you were just at a point where it's like, I'm not doing anyone any favors by being here, I'd say step aside, let someone else who can have the energy and the passion to take on the charge, take it, let someone else take the wheel. And to go along with that, like if you're working for a company that offers time for you to be able to volunteer, you can still go and volunteer in your local neighborhood school. Um, and still have that time with kids. Like any teacher would be so excited for a former teacher to go in, you know, and help with whatever their reading centers or whatever it may be. So you can still do that and then have a career that, you know, you might feel more appreciated in and have a better salary. I feel like educators out there need to sometimes realize they need to put themselves first. Like, is it the best for you, health-wise, to stay in teaching, even if you still love it, maybe it is mentally breaking you down. And like Jesse said, it's free to learn and it's very, very cheap to get certified in the long run. But, you know, in 10 years, if you're still teaching, are you going to be completely burnt out and unhealthy and not where you want to be financially? If that's the case, you got to plan ahead and you might have to make a decision and maybe look towards Salesforce, see if that's the option for you. Yeah. And if doing meaningful work is keeping you there, just know that there are other ways of, of making meaningful work. I promise Bradley did not pay me to say this, but Talent Stackage five-day challenge is completely free and a great look into the Salesforce ecosystem. I promise I was not paid to say that. It's like you read my mind. <laughs> I was about to tell our listeners to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to sign up for the free five-day challenge. Also not paid to say this, but I feel like Talent Stacker, like we're paving away. Now there's a second person in my company who came through Talent Stacker. I got hired by the, a CEO who said, hey, we've had success with teachers. Can you, you know, do you want to have a conversation? So like, that's happening. So like there are people sort of breaking through and paving that way. And Talent Stacker is now becoming, I think, a thing that people are looking for on that resume. They know that we're coming out with special talent. They know that we're coming out with knowledge that other people don't have. It is so much more valuable, in my opinion, than a degree, and it costs so much less. And you will have so much support joining just the Salesforce ecosystem in general and through LinkedIn, especially the Talent Stacker, like Facebook page. There's just so much support if you're having any doubts like, oh, I don't know if I can make this transition or once you get started, like, oh... I'm learning so much, but not everything's sticking with me. There'll just be so many other people who can give their experience. And like we have an EduForce LinkedIn group where it's all a group of teachers that are all there to support, to share resumes, give tips for interviews on how you know to show those transferable skills. So there's just so much support in the Talent Stacker community on LinkedIn, on Facebook, all over. All right. So with that, thank you everyone so much for joining us today. I don't know if you realize this, maybe, you know, 
all of you who are on the podcast right now do realize this, but these stories quite literally change lives. Like you, you've talked so much about impact and helping and, you know, just doing something meaningful. And these stories get listened to literally thousands of times. And the fact that you took time to share your story and come hang out with us, it means a lot to us personally, but I think it means a ton to the Salesforce ecosystem at large. So thank you for coming and spending that time. If you are getting value from the show, please take a moment to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. And if you want to give us feedback, be sure to leave a written review. If you would like to ask a question and have the potential of hearing that live on the show, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail, and you can record a quick voicemail there and we will get that on the show. So thank you everyone who joined us today. We really do appreciate you so much. And thanks to everyone listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.